How you doing, everybody? Along with Cotton Fitzsimmons, I'm Al McCoy. One second remaining in the second overtime. Here's Perry. The Gar Hurd. Here's the jump shot. Good! It's good! It counts! Gar Hurd ties it! I want to tell you something. Somebody up there is on our side. Here comes Charles Barkley out. 56 points in the ball game. His individual career high. Gets a hug from K.J. Marley. Big win for the Suns here. Big game for Charles Barkley. Suns are going to win. The Suns do win, and they'll move on to the Western Conference Finals, surprising the basketball world with a four-game sweep over the San Antonio Spurs. For the third time in my NBA broadcasting career, I have the opportunity to say the Suns are going to the NBA Finals. To have one voice capture generations of moments within one franchise is incredibly special. The Valley has its very own broadcast legend in Al McCoy who just wrapped up his 50th season calling games for the Suns. How do you begin to describe a man that's meant so much to a community? I figured I'd start by talking with people who've worked with and alongside McCoy to get a better sense and a better appreciation for the man who's still dedicated to the same job at 89 years old. I'm your host, Chirsten Soussel, and this is PHNX The Story. I was one of those guys that would collect tapes of every game. And so I would always get attracted to a certain play-by-play guy when they're calling the game and they're describing me as a player. And I, I was definitely attracted to Al and how he described me and, and the positive things he said about me. And, and I remember that. Eddie Johnson on the drive, puts it up, scores it on the jump hook. An amazing, unbelievable 12-footer from the baseline right. He got it to go down, and he's fouled on the play. I mean, we were a close-knit team, and, and, and our announcers and everyone else that traveled with us uh, back in the Cotton Fitzsimmons era, uh, we were just like a family. And so it wasn't unusual for all of us to be in the same restaurant eating, uh, for us to go on little mini field trips when we were on the road, uh, and the broadcasters would be a part of it. Uh, and he was a mentor, too. You know, as a young player, he was always telling us what to do, what not to do, and how to handle ourselves on the road and all of those different things. So uh, I definitely got to know him before I had to sit next to him and work. He may not need an introduction, but that's Eddie Johnson, former son turned son's broadcaster. And just like McCoy was a mentor to him early on in his career, he was also there to give EJ advice when he made the transition from playing the game to talking about it. Well, I felt I was prepared, but I was still rough around the edges. You know how that is. Uh, we know what we're doing, but we actually don't. You know, and because once you get thrown into the fight, it's a different animal. And so I remember showing up for my first game and I was watching Al like, you know, he's got this big whiteboard and he's got all the names on it. And he's got the stats and all of that. Right. So I go in and I get me a whiteboard 
and I show up with all the names and the stats and all of that, right? Thinking I'm being professional. And he looks at me and he said, uh, you don't need that. I said, what? Yeah, you don't need that. He said, I call stats. And it struck home with me, right? And so I got rid of the whiteboard. And so you listen to me call games now. He helped me transition into how I need to call a game. Like, fans don't need to hear me regurgitate stats. That's normal. They can pull up a computer and they can see what the stats are. What they want to hear from Eddie is why did that happen in the game? Like, why Why is Steve Nash, why is Devin Booker, uh, why, why is uh, Charles Barkley, why are they doing those different things in the game? How did that happen? Why did that happen? And he guided me to that direction. Uh, and so he was my mentor. Uh, he was a guy that really, I think, you know, he birthed me into this, into this job that I have. And, uh, yeah, and he and I would have our tough moments. Like, I'd get too talkative, and I'd talk to a play, and I could sense that he wasn't happy about it. And, well, I could sense if he if he talked to a play and didn't allow me to get in and say something, that he'll feel the presence of me not being a little bit unnerved that he did that. Uh, but that's just a part of being a good teammate. And so, yeah, I mean, he would, he would never he uh, hesitate to tell me, hey, we had a great broadcast. Hey, that was great what you did. Oh, unbelievable, yes. I mean, if I didn't get that from him, I don't know where I would be right now because I view him as one of the best ever to do it. My first exposure to Al McCoy as a broadcaster came as a fan of the Suns uh, prior to uh, me getting into the business. Um, I do remember hearing Shazam for the first time uh, in 1993 when the Suns made their run to the finals. Barkley on the perimeter. He wants to shoot another three. Shazam! What can you say? And hearing that for the first time and being like, well, that's cool. That's a unique call for a three-pointer. The first memory of Al McCoy is almost like a rite of passage for those connected to the Phoenix Suns. John Bloom does the pre-half and post-game shows on the radio and has taken over play-by-play -play duties for road games. He's considered to be next in line to become the voice of the Suns when McCoy decides to retire. If he decides to retire. John Bloom along with Tom Chambers and TC wasn't just the way they started this game. It's just the way they kept that foot on the pedal throughout. 2007 was my first year with the Suns. Yeah, it took me a few years because Kevin Ray had been doing the pre-half and post-game show on the radio, which then became my job when he moved to sideline on TV. Uh, and it was an interesting little kind of battle for that job. I had a full year tryout, actually, with Dan Weiss. It was the two of us. They gave us the whole year to, to go against each other to figure out who was going to be the long-term host for the Suns. Fortunately, I, I ended up getting it. Dan went to San Antonio. He still has a, a great gig with them, with the Spurs and their hockey team. Um, but yeah, both of us were so excited. And a big reason why we were so jacked up was to work with Al McCoy. I mean, just to have an opportunity to uh, you know be a part of the Suns broadcast, having had a chance to understand and like I told you learn a little bit about Al uh, and then learn from Al has been a huge blessing for, for me no doubt about it. When I was given the opportunity to host for the Phoenix Suns I felt like 
maybe I'm getting close. Maybe this is this is the path that I've always meant to be on. This is the job I've trained since I was 11 to get. And at that point, I was what 74. And so I'm thinking to myself, all right, this is this is decent timing. You know, he's in his mid 70s. Who knows? It could be a matter of a few years. If I get in there and show my hustle, show my uh, wherewithal, my passion for this team, maybe this is a job that I can get. Uh, did I think that it would take, uh, you know, uh, a decade and a half or two decades or however long Al wants to go until he decides to, to stop? No, I didn't. But at the same time, uh, it's been such a blessing because I have been able to create that relationship with Al. I've been able to prove myself with him, but also um, – you know, establish kind of a bond that I, I really never anticipated because now we're working together as colleagues. I learned by just listening to him nightly, sitting next to him. I mean, we're shoulder to shoulder. Uh, when we, you know, I, I was the producer engineer. I did pre and post uh, shows for the uh, Suns ball games. Uh, eventually became an analyst. Uh, I was the first person who did play-by-play for Al when he finally missed a game with uh, laryngitis when they went on a road trip. So I had to sit in and do ball games for him then. But, you know, you just learn so much by listening to him. He's so professional. And I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, He could have fun, but, I mean, it was all about the ball. It was not about Al McCoy. Uh, It was about the Phoenix Suns. It was about the NBA. And he would always, when anybody would ever contact him, from the state uh, or from out of state to talk uh, about broadcasting, he was more than willing to, uh, you know, share his information that could help them in their careers. Greg Schulte is a legend in his own right here in Arizona, a partner to McCoy that went on to become the voice of the Arizona Diamondbacks their inaugural season in 1998, a role he still holds today. And he, too, has been a part of some iconic moments. Looks in. He's got his sign. The big unit ready. And the 2-2 pitch. He struck him out. Perfection. Randy Johnson. A perfect game. And the 0-1 delivery. And a little blooper. Base hit. Diamondbacks win. They're the world champions. Gonzalez did it. Folks, it doesn't get any better than that. Pump your horns. Stop your feet. Celebrate in Arizona. The Diamondbacks have won the World Series. I'll give you one little example. We were on a road trip for exhibition games before the season started. And I think we were in Dayton, Ohio, or somewhere in the Midwest. And I had gone to the arena early to get ready. And Al was coming over, I believe, on a later bus. So Al wasn't there yet. So I grabbed a recorder and Cotton Fitzsimmons was our coach at the time. And I did the interview. And uh, Cotton says, where's Al at? And I said, not here yet. And I said, you know, it's uh, getting kind of late. And he said, yeah, maybe, maybe you better give him a call. So I called the hotel. Fortunately, the hotel was kind of close. But I called the hotel, and they rang his room. No answer. So I thought, well, you know what? Let me call it again. So I called it the second time. I got this real groggy voice. Hello. I said, Al, it's Greg. Are you coming to the game? He says, what time is it? And I says, we're about 35 minutes from game time. He says, oh, shoot. Okay. He says, I'll be right over. Well, he walks in. He sits down about five minutes before the broadcast, and he just picks it up, and he just goes and flows. I mean, it's just like uh, he didn't miss a beat. Obviously, you're in a panic mode in that situation. Not Al. <laughs> he was cool, as calm as could be, and uh, proceeded through the ball game. And uh, 
you know, we got through that. But, you know, Al was always uh, giving, uh, you need a ride. Uh, we, we'd ride to the ballpark together. We didn't live too far from one another. So uh, in, in my personal uh, view of Al as a, as a person, he's my best friend. He's almost like a father figure. Uh, he's 89. I'm 70. So there's a 19-year difference, I guess, conceivably. He could be my father or an older brother, but, uh, you know, he's been my mentor and uh, he just has been a person that's always been, when I've needed to talk to somebody, it's been always been Al McCoy that uh, I, I pick up the phone and, and call. He's as good a person as he is a broadcaster. We didn't have cable, so I spent my evenings uh, around an old Emerson clock radio with a cassette deck in it that I listened to the games when I was supposed to be sleeping. I was third grader and it was got to go to bed for school. And I'd, I'd lay there and I would listen to every call of every game. And, and Al, they did simulcast. So Al, uh, on those road games, it was the, he was the voice of the television broadcast. And then I'd listen to him on radio uh, as well. And he... He helped me fall in love with the game of basketball. I remember it was probably 1996. I was probably 12 at the time, uh, going on 13. And I kind of knew broadcasting was what I wanted to get into. And uh, I I only got to go to a handful of Suns games uh, when I was younger. So I had written Al a note and put it in an envelope and worked my way down. I'm pretty sure we were in the upper deck, but I before the game I worked my way down the you know from the upper deck into the lower bowl, kind of snuck past security, got down as close to courtside as I could, row 1 behind where where I was broadcasting and I got his attention and I gave him the note and said I, you know, I really love what you do and I hope to do it someday you know and gave him the note and uh, you know never heard back never really expected to but uh, it was more of a hey I appreciate what you're doing kind of thing another voice you might recognize especially if you listen to our PHNX Suns podcast Greg Esposito or Espo as we call him Al McCoy was the one who inspired him to get into the business he used to work alongside John Bloom on the pre, post, and halftime shows on the radio as well. That blew my mind to be able to say I was actually part of Al McCoy's broadcast. You know, like we, John, same way. You felt you felt honored to be able to be a small part in the history of this. And Al was always fantastic uh, with it. Uh, always, you know, great guy. Uh, you know, I call him up and. Uh, you know, and he give advice, uh, those kind of things. What each of these men have in common is that they were inspired or mentored by McCoy in their broadcasting careers. I'd imagine there are many, many more like them who also probably won't achieve the longevity of their mentor. I never thought that I would be here as long as I've been. This is my 22nd year. Uh, so it's just amazing to be able to do that job for as long as he has. I guarantee you I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. <laughs> Are you <Okay>. sure? <laughs> uh, yeah. McCoy is the longest tenured broadcaster for a team in NBA history, 
having been the voice of the Suns for half a century. A pretty incredible accomplishment for just a farm boy from Iowa. Now, most of you know about my background. I'm just a farm boy from Iowa. McCoy's dream was born while listening to radio broadcasters that came before him. And in 1958, moved to Arizona to call games for the AAA Phoenix Giants and Phoenix Roadrunners hockey team. More than a decade later, he got his big opportunity when Jerry Colangelo took a chance on him to become the voice of the Phoenix Suns, the Valley's first major professional sports team. The year was 1972, and it was the beginning of a legendary career. We talk about the Ring of Honor night, uh, where all these uh, dignitaries came to town from all over the country to honor him. And I remember that was the first time I actually called any son's action on the air because they had to take him out uh, before halftime. And so I stepped in with Tim and did, I don't know, a few minutes uh, to cover for Al. And then sat there and watched that whole ceremony with the best seat in the house and, and paid attention to him and how it was hitting him. And you could see it. You could see it in his face. He wasn't shedding tears or anything like that. I don't know that I could tell you that I've ever seen a, a tear drop from his eye, but I can tell you that I've seen emotion in his face. I've seen appreciation, and I've seen almost to a point of uh, him getting overwhelmed with it. And that's understandable. I mean, it is overwhelming. It's so much love. It is all, it's all earned and it's, it's all real. And, and none of it's like manufactured or fake or, or any of these things that you oftentimes see when you see um, accomplishments celebrated. That's not what it is here in Phoenix. And so that's why I think it can be overwhelming. When he finally went in, uh, it was oddly emotional. <laughs> I don't know exactly why for me in particular, but that was during the really down times for the Suns and the, the building was sold out, like it was packed. And, and it just spoke volumes to me what he meant. Like I'm not, a, I wasn't the only person. I wasn't the only one who looked at what he did and felt this massive connection. And I thought that was really cool uh, because I had worked Steve Nash's uh, Ring of Honor ceremony and, and Al was there and had his arm around Steve. He was kind of the MC of the event. Steve. It's official. Congratulations. You know how much you're loved by anyone that ever knew you, watched you, admired you. You are an official member of the Phoenix Suns Ring of Honor. God bless. And it was really uh, something special to then see him get that same honor. You've probably already noticed but Al McCoy isn't just beloved by fans or the people he works with. He's beloved by the players. This past season, Devin Booker gave him his jersey after the team set a franchise record for most wins in a season. He fittingly signed it to Al, the legend. A sign of big-time respect from the current face of the franchise. But Booker is far from the first player to show their appreciation for the man behind the mic. When, when I was doing the games, Charles Barkley was still playing, and we go into a, a restaurant, and 
uh, we didn't even see him. And all of a sudden, we went to get our bill, and uh, the waiter would come up and say, that's right, Mr. Barkley paid for it. That's another thing I noticed about Al, is he has a lot of longtime friendships with guys who have suited up for the Phoenix Suns, talking about players who come back. And, and when they come back, they make a beeline for our location courtside to go give a hug to Al McCoy. And that says a lot, doesn't it? Aside from his love for the Suns and his dedication to his craft, there are other things about Al McCoy that just make him that much more endearing. His love for his children and his love for the piano. He can play the piano, he can sing. And certain, certain towns we might go to, if there's a piano there, he might get on it. Obviously, he has the voice, the deep baritone voice to be able to sing as many nights after he's had a few. <laughs> he'd, he'd get on that piano. And uh, if that restaurant or that bar was okay with it, he, he'd give a little mini concert. Uh, in particular, there's a, uh, a little restaurant and uh, like a bar area that we frequented in Sacramento. Uh, when the Suns would go on and play the Kings. And the uh, gentleman who played the piano there was blind, but he had known Al for years and years. And every time Al came in, he basically gave up his seat, and Al would take over and play the piano. And he'd get, he'd get big ovations for, uh, you know, doing that. So uh, I think if Al was not uh, broadcasting NBA basketball uh, for the Phoenix Suns, he probably would have been a, a pianist and probably a pretty good one at that. A great story. Back in the day, they used to have a piano on the team playing, and he taught several of the players how to play piano on some of the trips. Uh, and so that enabled him to, again, have a great relationship with a lot of these guys. That's his second love, without a doubt. Uh, obviously, after his kid, third, that's his third love. His kids is his second love, obviously. I'm Jay McCoy. I'm one of three sons that Al has. You are truly the MVP most valuable parent. I love you. You're the best. I, I'm proud to call you my dad. I'm proud to say Al McCoy is my father. So often, we don't fully appreciate what we have until it's gone. We're not promised another season with Al McCoy. But while he's yet to retire, it's worth reflecting on what Suns fans have here in the Valley. The ability to have witnessed the making of a legend. Al's been there uh, almost every step of the way. So it's almost like, you know, for some people, it was like an older brother. For other people, it was like a dad. For other people in a younger generation, like a grandfather that, that was around and kind of guiding you to sports fandom with it. But we're sending you back to the summit to rejoin Al McCoy. And I'll tell you what, thank God for Al McCoy, we lost the picture, but you can still paint the picture for us. And you know, the, the Dodgers had Vin Scully, the Lakers had Chick Hearn. You know, the, there, there's plenty of voices like that across the country and usually in very strong sports towns. And we haven't gotten that recognition here in Phoenix 
but we do have that guy. Long 22 footer. Oh, Brevin! He was just inside the line, but he buried it, and this game is tied at 87. The Suns fans are extremely lucky because you get generations of people that get to hear Al McCoy. Nobody has to tell them about the story of Al McCoy. They're actually hearing it right now, uh, live. And his energy level is just second to none for his age. They swing it out on top to Booker, three-pointer, Shazam! Uh, he doesn't travel much anymore, but man, when you hear him on the radio, when you hear that voice boom, you just know that he's digging deep and he's still bringing it up and it's impactful. He got it! He got it! He got it! Cam Johnson got it! And the Suns have won the ball game! Oh, brother! You know, when I listen to him and I, I, I hear him and like you, like I said, memory is, is, is so amazing. I mean, we take it for granted. And for him to memorize the names and, and be able to catch up with, the, be up with the speed of the game and just be on top of stuff. To me, that's that's hero status for me in regards to, you know, radio TV. So I'm amazed that he continues to do it at a high level. He is part of the fabric of this franchise, the fabric of this city, and the fra fabric of this community. You know, I think uh, when all is said and done, Al is the greatest uh, not only sportscaster, but broadcaster that has ever talked on the airwaves or been on television here in Arizona. And, and, and I'm not uh, looking down or I'm not uh, ignoring or, you know, just you just put all things in perspective. Somebody who's been with the team for 50 years, uh, there's no greater broadcaster in Arizona. Uh, I don't think it's even close with what Al has done. Uh, I think that's how much he's respected, uh, how much respect he deserves, and uh, it's a comfort. You know, I get that a lot. I've been doing it 25 years with the Diamondbacks, and uh, you just take it back to 50 years and figure the timetable. He's touched so many, and no other broadcaster has done that in the history of this state. So he's the best there is, uh, is the best there ever will be, and, uh, you know, it's, it's Al McCoy. If you will continue to accept me, and if God keeps smiling on me, I'm just going to keep going. <laughs>